You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening. Thanks for joining us. Sophie and Chris are off tonight. Bad drivers be warned. The NDP is asking ICBC to bring forward some major increases. Reporter Richard Zusman joins us with the numbers. And Richard, these penalties are steep. It could take some drivers off the road altogether. Yeah, they sure could, Anna. We knew these changes were coming and they will affect all drivers across the province. And it all comes down to this. This is a report released today by the province. In it were recommendations made based on public consultation where around 36,000 British Columbians weighed in. And it's very clear that British Columbians want to see bad drivers pay more and good drivers pay less. So let's take a little bit of a look here at the details of what we expect to see when increased rates come in for some drivers. Those that are risky drivers will likely pay more and that likely will mean new drivers will pay up to 20% more in rates if they get into an at-fault collision. If they get into multiple at-fault collisions they could pay even more than that. Another change that's very likely is there will be no more rebates for those who pay vehicle damage claims up front. Right now if you pay those claims you don't see your rates go up. You will it looks like in the future. Another change likely coming right now, insurance rates are tied to the vehicle owner. That's likely going to change to be tied to the driver. So families that have multiple drivers of one vehicle, that will be a substantial change. And convictions will likely play a much greater role on premiums. And some of the things that we may not see but are also suggested are some really crucial changes here. These weren't as popular and one is the penalty amount owners should pay if a crash is caused by a driver unlisted to the, dry, the, to the vehicle. And here's a big one that people need to pay attention to that was suggested, whether the distance driven should play a greater role in determining rates. Lower risk drivers are currently uh, subsidizing higher risk drivers. Uh, that is going to continue uh, into the future, uh, but the subsidy will be less. Uh, better drivers will be receiving better rates and higher risk drivers will be paying more. This is just really a, a financial hit. Uh, the only change here uh, is financial. It's the government bringing in more money from, uh, from these certain types of tickets or an accumulation of demerits on your license. ICBC is looking at a massive deficit and $1.3 billion it lost last year, so there needed to be changes made in terms of timing. We potentially could see an increase of 20% uh, to what's called a, a risk driving uh, fine that people have to pay if they have convictions or two or more distracted driving tickets. That could come as early as this June uh, or this fall. My apologies. There could be a suggestion of the rates as early as June and the whole rate overhaul, all the these things we mentioned here tonight, and all those changes likely will come into a place April 1st, 2019. Okay, big changes on the way. Thanks for that, Richard. Richard Zusman reporting for us in Victoria. An accident involving a parachute has left a man dangling from the side of the Suwamish chief. Aaron MacArthur is live in our newsroom with more on the rescue effort. Some frightening moments for this man, Aaron. Yeah, some frightening moments to be sure. This parachutist, incredibly lucky. His gear hung up on an outcropping of rock and he was left hanging in a precarious position hundreds of meters above the ground for about two hours today. Squamish Search and Rescue called out at 11 this morning, needing to use a helicopter to reach the man's position before rappelling down to him. 
Once secured, both the rescuer and parachutist were lifted up to the helicopter's landing spot. Believe it or not, no serious injuries here. Uh, we have about 20 members of Squamish Search and Rescue here. Uh, we were supported today as well with the RCMP, uh, both for traffic control, but their uh, aerial extraction team was available to us as well um, in case our rope rescue team needed assistance. Uh, and then uh, BC Parks, BC Ambulance, so it was quite a multi-agency approach today. Now, and the incident forced the closure of the Sea to Sky Highway for portions of the afternoon to make way for search and rescue helicopters to take off and land. It has since reopened. All right. Well, I'm glad he's okay. Thanks for the report, Aaron. Aaron MacArthur reporting in our newsroom. Vancouver Police and the Combined Forces Special Enforcement Unit announcing today a violent organized crime group has been taken down. The three-month-long operation resulted in seven members of the Gill Group being arrested. Romina Dea has more on who they are and what they stand accused of. Seven suspects arrested, 20 charges laid as a result of Project Tamper. What's shocking and disturbing are the ages of the alleged gangsters, which include two teenagers. Their young leader, Tadkir Gill, just 21 years old, say police. Four weapons were seized in this investigation. Police say the suspects were involved in doing contract jobs for bigger, more influential gangs. The seven suspects arrested in October were 17 to 23 years old. Collectively, they're facing 20 charges, including conspiracy to commit murder, conspiracy to commit arson, plus a number of weapons offenses. Well, there was, you can tell by the charge, there were several victims um, or several uh, specific victims. I don't have at my fingertips who they are, but there were, um, there were the, to characterize the types of victims that were, there was conspiracy to kill. They were other gang uh, t type individuals. Although interestingly, the uh, one of the victims uh, was, uh, I would describe as not being a gangster and being a uh, in fact, uh, and he personally was anything but a gangster. But the person was an, a normal business person in Vancouver, as far as I know. Gill remains in custody. The others have been released on bail. Their next court appearances later this month. Romina Dea, Global News. A warning to the public from Surrey RCMP about a sexual assault last month. It happened April 24th around 1 in the morning. The Mounties say a woman was attacked as she walked in the area of 84 Avenue and King George Boulevard. The suspect is described as South Asian, a male approximately 30 years of age, about 5 foot 10, with a medium build and scruffy facial hair. He grabbed the female by the arm and then groped her as he was passing. Uh, we have been able to have a composite sketch uh, and now we're asking the public to look at the sketch and please help us identify our suspect. And Surrey RCMP also advising the public about a suspicious person who approached a child outside a school. It happened on Monday. RCMP say a man in a car drove up to the child who was in front of Frost Road Elementary in the 8600 block of 162 Street and tried to convince them to get in his vehicle. The child did not and instead ran to a safe location. The suspect is described as a South Asian male in his 40s or perhaps younger with a trimmed beard which had gray patches and he was wearing a blue turban with orange underneath. The suspect vehicle is described as a gray sedan with tinted windows and a messy interior. 
Well, it's not surprising, but it will likely fuel anger among drivers to learn 33 percent of the cost of filling up is taxes. That number from the Canadian Taxpayers Federation today, which is calling on the federal and provincial governments to take action and save motorist money. With prices hovering around the dollar sixty a liter mark, threatening to hit one sixty four this May long weekend, there are renewed calls for tax relief at the pump. We broke it down into this graph to show you exactly how much we're paying at the pumps in taxes. Fifty one cents per liter is taxes. This guy's paying one seventy nine a liter for premium, meaning that of the one hundred and seventeen dollars he just paid, almost thirty four of those dollars all went to various gasoline taxes. It's too expensive. The GST is added after all of these other taxes are, so it is a big tax on tax. Will the Minister of Energy give British Columbians a break at the pump? It came up again in the legislature with the opposition asking for a tax break and the premier giving a predictable response. The challenge is one of supply and demand. The leader of the opposition has said as much. I agree with him. The Taxpayers Federation isn't advocating a cut in the 17 cents a litre transit tax or the $6.75 a litre dedicated motor fuel tax because those taxes actually go towards public transit. But it's all those other taxes that simply go to general revenue that make way less sense in today's soaring fuel costs. If we eliminate the federal excise tax, the carbon tax here in British Columbia and the GST tax on tax, that will save about 25 cents per litre. The Federation argues those savings would go far beyond the average motorist. Everything that uses fuel from public transit to grocery delivery vehicles all would benefit, even the consumer who doesn't drive at all. Ted Scherneke, Global News. When it comes to the fallout from Kinder Morgan's expansion project, there's been another escalation in the ongoing feud. Keith Baldry is live in Victoria with the latest developments. Keith. Yeah, stuff keeps happening on this file. And today, uh, first of all, before we get to the es- escalation, today a delegation of uh, business leaders from B.C., uh, labor leaders and some First Nations leaders, yes, there are a number of First Nations who support the Kinder Morgan Pipeline, uh, descended upon Edmonton's legislature today where they met with, among other people, Alberta Premier Rachel Notley, trying to show that uh, B.C., from their point perspective, and backed up by public opinion polls, that B.C. supports the Kinder Morgan Pipeline. There is support for resource development. So that was sort of the pro-pipeline lobby in Edmonton today. On the anti-pipeline side, what took place here at the B.C. legislature, where Attorney General David Eby uh, uh, responded to a letter he received from his Alberta AG counterpart yesterday, in which she said, not backing away from that law that could curtail oil shipments to B.C., Eby today announcing B.C. is going to go to court in Alberta next week. Here's the Attorney General. Obviously, we're disappointed with Alberta's response. Our hope was that uh, we'd be able to uh, join with Alberta and go to the Supreme Court of Canada to resolve this uh, with a reference case. Uh, Obviously, that's not going to happen. So our lawyers are preparing to file in the Court of Queen's Bench in Alberta uh, next week. So uh, AB basically says they're going to argue that Alberta has no right to single out B.C. for punishment. He says the Supreme Court of Canada has ruled in similar cases before. He's confident of his chances of victory, but so is his counterpart in Alberta. The war will continue. Indeed it does. Thanks for that, Keith. Keith Baldry in Victoria tonight. Turning to the flood situation in our province now, the military is on its way to help flood-ravaged homeowners in Grand Forks. Troops will help with sandbagging and evacuations as that community prepares for the next wave to hit. Our John Watt is there for us tonight. And John, one neighborhood that was on evacuation order, I understand, got the chance to return for a short time today. Yeah, that's right, Anne. Residents here in South Rockville had 12 hours 
to either walk through toxic water and get out whatever they could or spend the day desperately trying to sandbag around their homes. Halfway through it, though, the rain started coming down, leaving them to pray that they've done enough. Do you want last sweep of the house? It's a race against time amidst devastation that will stick with them forever. Just going in there just breaks your heart seeing that you put all your work into that and it's gone. And nothing in here. South Ruckel is one half of the Grand Forks community hardest hit in last week's flood. Yeah, grab those. Residents have now been given 12 hours to get back in and do what they can before the next wave of water hits. It's a rude awakening that Mother Nature in the end always wins. In days like these, small victories are the best you can hope for, like saving a late father's baseball mitt. We played in the backyard back home all the time when I was little, and, you know, just little memories like that mean you know, the world to me. And while for some this is a chance to take one more look and let the reality soak in, for others, taking that first step through the front door is just too hard. Memories of being there, of my kids. My father saw it for, before he passed away. It's just, sorry guys, it's just hard. But even heartbreak is not enough to keep Sean Massey from helping others. Kyle Piper grabbing anything he can, including a hamster that survived all on its own for the past week. You can only do what you can, and that's what I'm trying to do today. For a fortunate few, a half day is a glimmer of hope. Family, neighbors, even strangers doing their best to build a wall against the water. We are going to give it a kick of a start. And uh, it's, it's better than walking away. We just can't do that. But as the rain falls, people can't help but let their fears rise. Shut the door and let's get out of here. A first-hand look at the chaos flooding can create, still so fresh on their minds. Now, as you can see, the rain has let up a little bit, but all eyes will still be on the water levels, the dikes, all of the infrastructure that was reinforced over the past week, hoping that it holds. On a plus note, word is 140 Canadian Armed Forces soldiers are arriving in Vernon today. Another 175 tomorrow. The hope is those boots will be on the ground here in Grand Forks as soon as possible. And Some good news there. Thanks for that report, John. John Wall reporting from Grand Forks tonight. Meantime, on the Lower Mainland, there are growing fears the next few days could bring the worst flooding some areas have ever seen. Jill Bennett is live on the banks of the Fraser River tonight with more on the preparations underway. Jill. And we saw the level of the Fraser inch up a bit today at the Mission Gauge. It's now sitting at 5.8 meters. But the big concern is in the next few days, that could reach more than 6.5 meters. And that would mean many communities along the river could be flooded. Dozens of volunteers on Barnston Island are busy filling sandbag after sandbag as they protect the homes closest to the shoreline, the most vulnerable to flooding. With the, uh, the forecast of the way the river is going, um, there's a little bit more concern this year than in previous years. The Fraser River, running fast and taking debris with it, is already creeping up closer than many homeowners would like. We can see the, the river starting to really, you know, get on towards our properties now. Um, so the way the sandbags are going, it makes it feel a lot safer. There are still several properties with animals, although there were warnings put out to residents to consider ferrying livestock to higher ground before the river gets too high, something some hearsay could have been managed better. Nobody's got any common sense. They should be dredging the river, 
and they should be taken out. While Barnston Island is on evacuation alert, other communities along the Fraser River are taking precautions. In Maple Ridge, flood advisories have been delivered to about 50 homes and businesses in the Hammond neighborhood. Under the Mission Bridge, the river has already flooded this picnic area and parts of the roadway. Several parks along the Fraser River are now closed. Obviously the berm is six feet higher than what it is at this spot. In Surrey's Bridgeview neighborhood, there are concerns from the residents and owners in an industrial area now at risk of flooding where a partial berm is in place. This would be the lowest side right now for the complex. And if they were to put the berm up on this side, it's definitely going to protect a lot of people. The backup plan would be we would have to be sandbagging along the yellow lines around each section of buildings because we got to keep uh, the water out and then putting pumps behind them. Back on the banks of the river, some are taking advantage of the high water while still watching to see if and when things get worse. As for the Barnston Island Ferry, it is still operational. However, residents here have been warned if the docks are submerged, that ferry service will be halted. And before that, if an evacuation order is issued for Barnston Island, there will be no livestock allowed on the ferry. The first priority will be getting those residents to safe ground. Anne? That's a stress, stressful situation for residents there. Thanks for that report, Jill. Jill Bennett reporting in Surrey tonight. BC Community is hoping to catch a break. Meteorologist Christy Gordon has a closer look at where the rain is expected. Christy. And the hardest hit area today was really the Kootenai and Boundary regions. Again, the 5 to 15 millimeters of rain fell. There are 15 of that right over the Grand Forks area. Now, the impact has been minimal so far, because partly because the temperatures have been cooler. Uh, plus, we haven't seen as many thunderstorms. But there is still more rain in the forecast for tonight and tomorrow morning. Looks like the focus will be in the far south, again in the Boundary and Kootenai regions as well. We're not in the clear just yet. When I come back, I'll show you how hot it will get next week also. Tomorrow night season two premiere of a popular and controversial Netflix TV series has sparked an unprecedented move by BC Children's Hospital. Nadia Stewart has a troubling reason why psychiatrists are warning parents about the show 13 Reasons Why. It felt like this whole thing was going to be over. On the eve of the release of season two of 13 Reasons Why, the psychiatrists from BC Children's Hospital are holding a press conference. Unprecedented, but necessary, they say, given what happened when the first season launched. What we saw following the release of 13 Reasons Why is a number of children presenting to emergency departments um, throughout BC, reflecting that the content of 13 Reasons Why was a specific reason why they were feeling more suicidal. The series centers on the fictional story of a teen who takes her own life, but leaves behind cassette tapes explaining the reasons why. Experts say the series sparked a conversation, but it also broke many rules. In giving the main character a significant amount of power through their suicide, um, they were able to, able to accomplish a number of things by dying by suicide and portraying help in a very unhelpful way. A portrayal that couldn't be farther from the truth. You're in Vancouver 24 hours a day, seven days a week. These phones connect callers to a lifeline and a listening ear, part of a network of resources available across the country. If they are feeling any concern, anxiety, worry, or just have questions, they need to reach out and talk to somebody like us or others that they know of. Netflix and the show's producers have now released a resource guide for parents and teens. Experts say before tuning in for another season, parents need to check in with their kids. To be mindful of the mental health of their kids, 
uh, and also to be open to talk about it. It's to say, like, nothing's off limits here because th- these things are happening in kids' world. They're going to talk to their friends about it. They're going to research it online. And it's much better if they can talk to their parents about it. Parents can also take any questions they have to the BC Children's Kelty Mental Health Resource Centre and the Foundry. Nadia Stewart, Global News. Welcome back. A huge estate-like building just north of Cranbrook stands as both a monument to a terrible chapter of First Nations past and a hopeful beacon for its future. As Aaron MacArthur tells us, the former St. Eugene Residential School has been reclaimed as a destination for cultural tourism. The history is laid bare for anyone who wants to see it. Stark images of St. Eugene Mission as it was during the residential school era. Four generations of Tunach children passed through these doors, including Margaret Tanise. On this side was one of the classrooms. Now she leads tours for people who stay here as a luxury resort. And I basically bring them on a journey that we went through. The Tunach people make no secret of their past with this building. It is the only First Nation in the country to have turned a residential school into an economic driver. The hotel, a deliberate choice. There were some people, particularly my generation and people older, who felt that we should just knock the building down. They had been hurt so badly, their family had been hurt so badly, that they thought it was better if we just knocked it off the face of the earth. After nearly two decades in operation and a close call with bankruptcy, the First Nation is now turning towards cultural tourism as a focus. The golf and casino still key, but so is the programming designed around telling Tunaha history. Sophie Pierre proud that elders are re-engaging young people to tell their story to the world. And across BC, there are hundreds of indigenous tourism businesses running, and it is the young people who have made the opportunities thrive. The history is the history, and we should all be well be aware of that. But now there is the opportunity to grow and change and use those things that are traditional culture and heritage to really bring back and reinforce a lifestyle. Three generations removed from residential schools, this journey has fulfilled Elder Mary Paul's vision. The Tunaha people reclaiming their culture in a place that stripped it away for so long. I now have a little granddaughter at the daycare across the road, and she always talks about the hotel. To her, it's a hotel. When she gets old enough, she will know my story, just like my other grandchildren know. And um, then she will know that where this hotel came from. Aaron MacArthur, Global News. A North American first for Vancouver and another sign of the city's growing reputation as a playground for the wealthy. Rolls-Royce unveiling its new luxury SUV called the Cullinan. Today's event at the new Rolls-Royce retail location, the only exclusive Rolls showroom in Canada. It's also the first time the company has debuted a vehicle anywhere other than New York or Los Angeles. Cullinan, named after the largest diamond ever discovered. 3,106 carats, was cut into 150 stones, and now resides in the crown jewels of Queen Elizabeth. And we all know the saying, if you have to ask, you can't afford it, but we'll tell you anyway. The Cullinan will set you back about $370,000. A Milwaukee bus that appears to be going too fast misses a corner and crashes through trees into a building. It also narrowly misses slamming into another vehicle. Five people were injured. The building was temporarily evacuated. 
Officials in parts of Hawaii have begun handing out free face masks and are urging people to avoid outside exercise as ash from the latest eruption of Mount Kilauea spreads across the region. And scientists warning tonight there could be more explosions to come. Whoa! After warning signs Kilauea would blow, today it happened. The eruption spitting rocks into the air, shooting a massive plume of smoke and ash 30,000 feet. We may have additional, larger events, more powerful events, kind of like what we saw earlier this morning. Today's eruptions come after two weeks of volcanic activity. Earthquakes, fissures, and toxic gases have turned this tropical paradise into hell for some. You can't compare it to anything I've seen. Mark Clausen lives among the lobbying lava bombs. What's it like to see that? used to it, but uh, frankly, it was a little unnerving. Today's eruption raising new health concerns over sulfur dioxide venting into the air. Locals also bracing for ash fall. It's so thick and you can't breathe. You can't breathe. With geologists warning of more explosions, geysers of fire threaten homes around the clock. Even at a safe distance from the fissures, you can feel the ground shake and hear what sounds like a jet engine overhead. Lava has been shooting out of the ground for two weeks here. Kilauea's fire and fury met today by a blast of smoke and ash, with a warning more may be on the way. In Health Matters tonight, if one of your favorite things about a vacation is lounging at the hotel pool or hot tub, you might want to rethink that. New data from the U.S. Centers for Disease Control says one-third of recreational waterborne infections are linked to hotel pools or hot tubs. The main culprit is cryptobacteria, which can survive in chlorinated pools for up to 10 days. The CDC recommends people do their own tests on pools with products that can be purchased at a pool supply store. A coyote attack that left a three-year-old boy with more than 100 stitches is a reminder tonight the animals are indeed wild and not so harmless as many think. This month alone, there have been more than a dozen sightings. Jennifer Palma explains what to do if you have a close encounter. So I ran out the front door of the house to hear a blood-curdling scream. That scream Amanda Dyke heard was her son's. Three-year-old Aiden was mauled by a coyote earlier this week around five in the afternoon in their Burnaby neighborhood. The child needed more than 100 stitches. And seeing a coyote biting his head. This coyote attack though is extremely rare. The animals are scared of humans. In the Vancouver area there are 200 coyotes. In the lower mainland 2000. The Stanley Park Ecology Society says it gets about a thousand sightings reported a year. They're really, you know, trying to avoid us, like so much so that they've switched to being nocturnal. And if they're out at night eating rats, people don't have an issue with them. At this time of year, food is important. It's pupping season and mothers are alert. That's why it's important to contain garbage and food. And it may have played a part in the Burnaby boy being attacked. For that particular animal, we do believe that he was being fed by people, and that is why it would start associating people with food and lose its fear, and that would cause it to, you know, approach. There is concern over the coyote population in East Vancouver. So much, a group called Van Yotes has been created, sending out texts alerting of a coyote sighting. We're trying to avert tragedies, basically. Um, so we're trying to get the news out to interested people, 
in real time when there's a coyote in a neighborhood. Hey, go away, coyote. But if you happen to cross paths with a coyote, noise and making yourself bigger than the animal is the best way to scare it. And don't run. Back up slowly. We're hoping he doesn't get an infection. He's on antibiotics. Conservation officers say the coyote believed to have attacked Aiden has been put down and tests are underway. Jennifer Palma, Global News. Yes, her ceremonial first pitch was terrible, as you can see, but that's not why this video is going viral. The surprise ending right after the forecast. It's a good one. Let's check in now with Christy, and of course, we're keeping a close eye on the rain. We sure are, and I just wanted to quickly mention, NOAA released their stats for April. Earth just had its 400th consecutive month with temperatures above average. Yes, climate change is happening, everyone, and we're experiencing that right now with historic uh, heat last week and now unprecedented water levels. Uh, uh, extremes like this will happen more frequently uh, in, uh, in the near future, and we're experiencing that. Now, we had more widespread rain in the forecast yesterday. Now it's more focused on the south. I guess that's good news for some areas. However, you can still see another 10 to 20 millimeters from a Soyuz extending into the Kootenai region, and that's tonight and tomorrow morning. On top of that, we have a severe thunderstorm warning in effect for the uh, Similkameen region, and a couple of these cells right in through here uh, producing significant rain in very localized area. So we'll be watching the effects of that. The next 24 hours for the effects or the impact of the rain really will be quite crucial and we'll be tracking that. After that, a bit of a break from the rain. Temperatures begin to warm up, but it is a slow trend towards that warm up. Uh, the River Forecast Center says for the interior regions, the most crucial time period for any flooding really will be within this next week, in particular with the rain that we're seeing right now, whereas the lower Fraser will be watching that not only uh, next week, but the week after. Now here's a look at some flood safety tips. Move to higher ground. Do not attempt to drive through flooded roads. 30 centimeters of of water could actually float vehicles and 60 centimeters could uh, uh, carry large vehicles, even like SUVs, for example. Now, uh, the forecast is showing the rain's going to shift into the south coast by the latter part of the day tomorrow. Yes, showers in our forecast, everyone, for Friday afternoon. There's your forecast for the northern regions, hot and sunny. The south, the focus of that rainfall and a risk of thunderstorms, Kelowna south, and then spreading into areas like Whistler and the uh, lower mainland and Fraser Valley regions by the afternoon. Vancouver Island, you should be dry tomorrow for your week can dry for the first half, but we do have showers in the forecast on Sunday. And Anne, I'll leave you with this shot of a crane sitting in the water in Vernon and obviously enjoying the higher water levels there. One of the few. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thanks for that, Christy. Baseball fan Marlene Sanchez was thrilled to learn she'd been chosen to throw out the first pitch of the Miami Marlins game. Turns out she didn't know the half of it. Marlene thought she'd, been throwing, she'd be throwing rather to one of the Marlins catchers, but after the catcher scooped up her slightly off-target throw, he pulled off his mask to reveal he was actually her boyfriend, Ralph Cabrera. He pulled out a baseball with an engagement ring inside, and as you can see, she said yes. Oh, love it. So romantic. Except their pitch kind of sucked. That's okay. <laughs> the ring, the ring made up for it. Bad I know, that way. I know. It's it. You know, a lot of people get up there and they think, oh, and it's it's nerve wracking. Oh, it it's like, and you've I've seen like people. You've like, done it. Just, yes, I threw it right into the base plate. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's okay. it, it can happen. Whitecaps. Yes. Yes. Well, last night they had the two-two tie. 
Got to win these home games. You can't just get draws all the time. Uh, they're in a weird dilemma right now, the Vancouver Whitecaps. They are scoring goals at home, but not as many as their numerous chances would allow. And even though they have averaged two goals a game in their last three home matches, in those three games they have just one win and two draws, including that two-all tie with San Jose last night at BC Place. And giving up points at home makes everyone unhappy. Frustrated again. No more words. Frustrated. Because we wanted to win, that's it. And they could have won if they had just scored on one more of their chances. But they also could have won if they had showed better defensively. The second goal for the Earthquakes was a case of the Whitecaps defense getting way too soft, giving the shooter too much time and space. Uh, there was too many individual errors which led to goals, a lack of concentration uh, when we we're in control of a game, um, like Friday nights. And when you do that and you get punished, it, uh, it stings and it hurts. Now with the win, it seems like we got to score three for a goal. I think we, we need to, to work on uh, keeping our shape, keeping defend very well and win 1-0. <laughs> That's going to be enough. Now the Whitecaps have to go to Dallas for an afternoon game on Saturday where it'll be 35 degrees. Not great for a team that's won just one of its last seven and you would think would be a bit tired. But Felipe says he's not worried about that. We, we never give up and we're never going to give up. Doesn't matter if it's like 100 degrees or zero degrees. We, we're going to go there with the same mentality and guys going to come fresh and going to put the same effort that we, we put tonight. Hand injury for Nicholas Baxter. He's in the series. He's in game four for Washington against Tampa Bay. The uh, Caps lost the last game. They won the first two in Tampa Bay. They get the first goal tonight. Dmitry Orlov there on the slap shot from TJ Oshie. 1-0 for the Capitals. But the Lightning get that back. Ooh, giveaways. Nice passing. Brighton point. That made it 1-1. Then... Steven Stamkos on the power play. Comes in from the face-off circle and scores 2-1. But the Caps have been firing numerous shots and they finally break through. Evgeny Kuznetsov, there's a lot of good Russians in this series. 2-2 in the second period. Caps, of course, lead the series 2-1. The Vegas Golden Knights are up 2-1 in their series with Winnipeg. Game four is tomorrow in Vegas. The reason the Knights are ahead right now They've had the better goalie, which is usually the deciding factor in most playoff series. When they went through the expansion draft last summer, Marc-Andre Fleury was left exposed by the Pittsburgh Penguins because the Penguins believed he was not the goalie he used to be. But they've obviously been proven wrong, just like a lot of teams have been proven wrong in the players they allowed to go to Vegas. I've uh, been saying it from day one. You get Flower as your goaltender, so you're going to have chances to win games. Um, so there's no reason why we shouldn't be a competitive team. Like uh, we're getting good players. Obviously, we've some guys have been a lot better than you you would have thought. But um, that being said, we all came here with the right mindset. Um, no one wants to be left unprotected. Uh, whether you have three Stanley Cups or you haven't made the playoffs yet, uh, you know everyone had something to prove, and you know we played like that. Canada Russia quarterfinals World Hockey Championships. The Oilers' failures in the regular season has been Canada's game. McDavid to his Edmonton buddy Ryan Nugent Hopkins. 2-2 now. The Russians came back from a 2-0 deficit. Jaden Schwartz to Kyle Turris. 
His first of the tournament since coming over after the Preds were knocked out by the Jets. 3-2 now for Canada. The Russians would tie it again. Then Canada would get the lead back. Pierre-Luc Dubois fighting off the check from behind. Actually, he's fighting off the holding from behind. 4-3. But the Russians kept coming back. Artem Anisimov. Well, that's a bad goal on Darcy Kemper. That's Canada's Achilles heel in this series is goaltending. 4-4. They go to overtime. Connor McDavid. Canada on the power play. Perfect pass. To Ryan O'Reilly for the winner. Canada will play the Swiss, surprisingly, in the semi-final. All right. Denis Shapovalov in Rome against Rafael Nadal. Now, he beat Nadal last year in Montreal, their only previous meeting. But this is on clay, the surface that Nadal usually dominates on. But he uh, gets a backhand rip right by him there. 2-1 Shapovalov in the first seven. Nadal got a break of service and finished off Shapo with this forehand winner. 6-4 in the opening set to Nadal. Second set. Shapovalov. Nice, down the line. But Nadal, pretty much, if he's healthy, is unbeatable on play. Another big winner. Beat Shapovalov 6-4, 6-1. But Shapovalov has now moved up to 25th overall in the world from 29th. He keeps climbing the rankings. does. There he goes. All right. Uh, the remarkable story of baby geese who survived a near disaster. That story is still to come. But first, here's Kasia Badurka with five things to do this weekend. Kasia. Yep, this Victoria Day long weekend, we celebrate the Royals, take you back centuries, and take you on a ride with Thomas the Tank Engine. That's where we begin our five things. A day out with Thomas' Big Adventures Tour stops at the West Coast Railway Heritage Park, and you and the kids can not only meet him, but take a ride on Thomas himself. Step back in time at the Soyuz Medieval Fair this weekend. Cheer on jousting nights, join in on old world games, and feast on food fit for a king. Be amazed by the Royal Canadian Family Circus. The internationally renowned cast will impress while defying gravity with both traditional and new thrilling acts. This week, it's in Surrey. Celebrate Queen Victoria's birthday in Victorian style. This regal event is fun for the whole family with live dancing, birthday cake, and cameos of special regal historic characters. Feel free to wear your Victorian best. Visit with the animals and get in touch with nature at Southlands Heritage Farm. Monday is family day at the farm and you're invited to learn, experience, and have fun amongst the animals. For more on this, head to globalnews.ca slash five things. This program is brought to you by BCAA. Get a BCAA membership and save with our many partners, plus get the best roadside assistance. Nothing equals a Windsor wedding. Enjoy the pomp, pageantry, and spectacle live on Global BC and BC One. Or wake up to a special presentation of Harry and Meghan's wedding. Saturday from 10 a.m. only on BC One. Coming up on ET Canada, Cheryl and Sangeeta are in Windsor with all your latest royal wedding news. Plus, how Keith Urban got his wife, Nicole Kidman, to sing on his new album. That is coming up at 7, right after the news hour. Right now, back to you. Thanks, Ross. It is heart-stopping video that appears to show a wildlife tragedy on Vancouver Island. The man who shot it, devastated. But as Kylie Stanton reports, the same camera captured a happy ending that seemed impossible. With a view like this and a camera, the possibilities are endless. But Vince Eberl never imagined he'd capture a wildlife miracle. 
Very lucky. It started about a month ago when he saw a Canada goose nesting on this nearby hill. I, uh, you know, set up the camera regularly and let the camera run. But the spot wasn't the safest choice for the goose to lay its eggs. Located directly below a blasting site in this neighboring development. If there was, say, a little debris, then it would take off. The goose returned each time, her four eggs safe, at least for the time being. Then another blast sends two massive boulders tumbling into the nest. That was a total surprise. The goose came back once again, this time poking around and inspecting the damage. Ebril wasn't optimistic, but kept rolling. Two days later, he couldn't believe what he saw. Uh, four eggs and four chicks. The developer was not aware of the nest and says if it had been, precautions would have been taken. But there's a chance it'll be back again. Geese often reuse nesting sites and what they're looking for is an open space um, with good views of all around so that they can see any predators coming. There was no way to see this coming. It's a great outcome. It's just uh, lucky that uh, the way they landed was not right on top of the nest. The gaggle has since gone out to sea, but the nest is still there. And so is Ebril, ready with his camera, if they decide to return. Kylie Stanton, Global News, Victoria. Ooh, those eggs must have been hard-boiled. <laughs> Things are strong. They are, yeah. So happy it worked out. Me too. Uh, one last look at the weather before we leave. Sure, it's been a pretty dry stretch for those of us across the south coast. We are headed for rain later tomorrow. We should push in in about the afternoon hours into the evening. Saturday so far looks dry, but it looks like we have a chance of showers in the forecast on Sunday. So a bit of back and forth over the next couple of days. And then after that, Monday, Tuesday and into next week, it looks like a big ridge will build again and we could be back to heat and sunshine, Mm. which is not necessarily good news for the interior. And uh, really, the next 24 hours uh, for the interior region, Regions will be telling in terms of the effect of the rain because um, that is really the biggest concern over the next little while. Temperatures have come down. Okay, so. and we'll have another update, of course, at 11 o'clock. Yep. Thanks for watching, everyone. Good night.